Welcome back to another installment of Sportsman Like Conduct. I'm your host, Aaron Gamble. I'm with Sean Chase. And Mitch is back for another substitution for Megan. Guess who's back, 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 back again, again, again. Mitch is back, back, back. Been on in for a friend, 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 friend. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. It's on my system. All right. All right. Making sure that's out of your system? We're all good. All right. Lots happened. College football. Oh, boy. Michigan State. <laughs> Go down to Purdue just to lose. I kind of knew this was coming, though, to be honest. This, this, had, this, was, this had trap written all over it, and lo and behold it, Michigan State fell into that trap, and they lost. 40-29 to 29 was that score, but Walker still had a good game. Yeah. Still, had a, still, has, still had a good game, but Michigan State's chances for the playoff are not over yet. Still some are hope. They just got, they got a win out. Win the Big Ten championship game and hope they get a four get that four seed. Slides you seven done. Oh yeah. They got Ohio State and Penn State left on their schedule. Yeah. So Maryland's this week coming up at home. Should be okay. Should be okay. You know, they're not like Purdue, but and then they have Ohio State in Columbus and then uh Penn State at home to close the close the regular season out. So should be interesting. Should be an interesting uh, way for the Spartans to uh, finish up here. Yeah, for me, um, first things first, give some, put some respect on Purdue's name. They're right in there right now in the Big Ten West. Respect that name now. Oh, yeah. But also, a big thing I heard from analysts, and I was talking to my old man about this, like Mel Tucker is a saving guy. Like, saving us a lot of bounce back from big, from big wins. Well, that just <laughs> flew out the dang window, didn't it? Yeah. Here's my problem with Michigan State. I didn't want to say anything about it last week, but I think that's prevalent. Defense doesn't match the offensive firepower. And that offense is limited because of Peyton Thorne. To me, Peyton Thorne is basically a bigger, slight improvement over Rocky Lombardi. He is absolutely athletic. He is mobile. His arm is still shaky. There are some throws, yeah. especially that they're right there, right there, like third and goal. Try and find at the corner of the end zone and boom, get intercepted. That throw should be another two yards out. Like... Yeah. This is why I feel like State's not going to come out of the Big Ten. I don't think Peyton Thorne's the guy to get it done. We have got other quarterbacks around the conference. Like, he's not better than she did. She's in CJ Stroud. He's not better than Sean Clifford. He's not even the best quarterback in his division of his own conference. That's going to stymie because, look, Purdue, for the most part, maybe a couple big runs by, by, you know, Mr. Heisman and Walker. But if you can get them down two possessions and force them to have to move the ball through the air, you're going to beat them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just the t- way it is. Yes, when you're behind, when when Michigan State has the lead, get comfortable. Very similar to like the Rams, which I'll get into later. Mm-hmm. When they're comfortable in the head, they're coasting, they're fine. But when you have to air it out, you're in trouble. We never saw them air it out last week against Michigan because Kev Walker just kept breaking off big round to big round. And they kept the lead. Out. Exactly. Exactly. Well, they were down 16 against Michigan, but they still kept ground exactly, and pound. Exa- exactly. Every single touchdown they had was on the ground, wasn't it? Yep. There you go. Pass offense ain't there. Pass offense can't match the run productivity. That's that's what makes that's what makes good teams great. You're balanced on offense. State's not balanced on offense. Defensively, they they need they need to they need to do some uh, soul searching. I will say though, if Rondo Moore stayed one more year, him and David Bell one two punch by receiver. This Purdue would be top twenty five right now, and we'd be talking about them potentially getting like a New Year's Day bowl, like Capital One Bowl or something. I honestly do. Well, it depends on how they write out the rest of their schedule. Yeah. If they're six and three, they're good. They're a good football team. They're a really good football team. Sean, what do you think about uh, the Boilermakers upset in Sparty? I think it says more about Michigan, to be honest with you, that 
Kenneth Walker was able, with down 16 points, like you said, to run all over Michigan. Just kept pounding the ball, pounding the ball. It didn't work against Purdue. It makes me think that Michigan's overrated to the nth degree, and that makes me more nervous about what's coming. <laughs> um, so Michigan got a comfortable win against uh, against Indiana at home. Yeah. When does Michigan not play at home? It seems like they seem like they never play on the road. But they have they but they have Penn State on the road coming up this week. That's gonna be a battle. So what do you think Michigan has to do in order to beat Penn State? Because playing in Happy Valley is no picnic. No, they've got to stop putting two quarterbacks in there. We got to stop. We got to let Cade McNamara either win or lose for this team. Our offense is good, but I think when you put JJ McCarthy in there, defenses know what's coming. One, so he's getting a decline in what he believes he can do. He's athletic as all get out. But when they know you're going to run the ball, what does that do for you? You know what I mean? We're going to have to have Corum and Haskins going nuts this weekend. He's like the Taysom Hill of Michigan. Yeah, as soon I, as he gets put in, as soon as he gets put in, they exactly know you know what's coming. Yep. You know what's coming, bitch. What do you think Michigan has to do to beat Penn State on the road? Um, they have to score thirty points. They got to score thirty. When Michigan scores at least thirty points, they're five and one this season. Obviously, the one loss. Well, you know what, Tank, we used to talk about that game. But if they put up 30 in Happy Valley, they'll have a fighting shot and win this thing. Oh, no staying in it. And also, Penn State has some playmakers on defense. I know last week they talked about my love for Joey Porter Jr. For obvious reasons. I was wearing my Devin Bush jersey right now before Monday Night Football. But Michigan just has to keep their identity offense, punch you in the mouth, burn you on play action. Yeah. But, like Aaron said, Happy Valley... Uh, I believe that's also a no. It's a noon game, so they lucked out not playing that at night. But, oh <laughs> but still, Happy Valley. That's a that's a loud, big stadium. Like that's not easy. And Penn State's kind of fighting for their lives too, because they know yeah. they have a tough road ahead. Yeah. Like, yeah, they got a tough road ahead. They got Penn State. Obviously, they have Michigan. They have Michigan State at the end of the year. Definitely tough. Ohio State. Struggled a little bit against Nebraska, but came away with the win. Yeah, but the thing is, though, in Nebraska, Nebraska's playing everybody tight. They're playing yeah. competitive. They're not quite yeah. the finished project yet. I think Scott Frost inherited a program that needed more work than I think we thought. I mean, yeah, the record's not great, but you know, they hung in with Ohio State. They hung in with Michigan. They're fighting everybody. Yeah, they hang in there. They're not going to win, but they're hanging in there right now, which yeah. is tells me Scott Frost is getting this place and the team in the right direction. But, hey, so be it. It is what it is. You know, we look at Iowa, too. They barely beat Northwestern. They struggled against the Wildcats. I really don't think Iowa's a contender out of the out of the Big Ten West. Well, here's the thing. You have a four-way logjam at 4-2 four and two for that spot right now. These last three is going to get very interesting because any four of those couldn't go up and take it. It went shocking against exactly. Wisconsin. It went shocking against Iowa. It went shocking against Purdue. It went shocking. Oh, I don't know about Minnesota. Outside shot looking in. <laughs> If they still had Ibrahim at running back, I would give I'd give him a nod. Yeah. But just seeing him go down week one kind of I thought killed all the momentum. But and so Wake Forest ended up being a pretender, going down to going down to Chapel. So a fun fact for that they're they're still in the feed in ACC play because that didn't count towards standings. But still, that's their. And you what you what you lost you lost a shootout like that by three points. I mean on the road you wouldn't take that. Mac Brown Mac Brown knows what he's doing. I mean it's not a great year this year. I mean, when you lose a pair of thousand-yard rushers to the draft, yeah, you're going to struggle, I think, a little bit. Yeah. I don't think Sam Howell's quite the guy we all thought he was going to be. but yep. He's overrated in my mind. But you know what? Both teams put up 50. It was a shootout like we all saw it, and still an irritating way to go. Georgia still shows that they're number one in the country. They're Dominic. scary good. Breaking, um, 
And also, also, also to add to that, um, water is wet. Georgia is good and water is wet. Fair enough. Fair, fair, fair enough. Alabama barely, barely took care of LSU. We all, we all kind of figured that game was going to be tight. Especially that, that type of rivalry like we're used to seeing. But Crimson Tide escaped 20-14. Uh, Oregon escapes by 10 over Washington. They, Look, still, they still covered. They still covered. Still covered. Still covered barely. Uh, like we said, Michigan's at Penn State coming up here. Uh, Oklahoma, number four now, going to Baylor, number 18. Interesting. Interesting game. Um, I really want to see how good see how good Baylor uh, runs the football versus Oklahoma's running game, um, and their passing game as well. Oklahoma's passing game this entire year, especially with the whole uh, Rattler situation, has been um, pretty uh, pretty pretty weird. Pretty weird considering this guy was supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks in the draft coming up, and now he got benched. You know you're a bad quarterback when your home team when your own student section wants you to be benched. I mean, people can be biased. People can just start hating, but I don't think he's as good as I thought he was going to be. Yeah. So this, so this one will, so this Big Ten matchup will determine a lot. Purdue's at Ohio State. If it was, if it was in uh, West Lafayette, I give it a shot. But I tell you what, I'll tell you what, Purdue will be competitive for at least the first half, at the least. It wouldn't shock me if this is within two possessions. I think Ohio State's going to edge this out. Well, they're going to win. But I, I want to be surprised if Purdue somehow keeps this magical round going. If C.J. Stroud is just, just doesn't bring his A game, that defense just kind of falls a little flat. There's still a chance Purdue wins this game, but I don't like the odds. So, yeah, they're gonna cover the spread at least. It's a twenty point spread. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. So eleven A and M, number twelve Old Miss. A and M. Interesting, interesting game down in the SEC, especially this, this especially this late in the year. So Georgia's playing Tennessee, which we all know how that result's going to end up. Uh, so uh, North Carolina coming off that hu- uh, coming off that huge win against uh, Wake Forest, they're going to number twenty five Pittsburgh, which has been they've been like a roller coaster this entire year. Either they've been good, like they lost to Western Michigan this pe- the beginning of the year, versus they've gotten big wins in the middle of the year. So is CMU better than Pittsburgh then? <laughs> well, well, think about it. When you put it like that, it makes it CMU, feel like we are. CMU beats Western, Western beats Pittsburgh. Alamote, CMU will beat Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickman have a shot against us, apparently. <laughs> well, speaking of, well, speaking of CMU, we got that victory cannon back. Senior year send-off. <sighs> gorgeous. We got the victory cannon back and a dominant performance by the probably the number one cut returner in the country, Khalil Peppleton. Honestly, watching the I I saw the first punt return. I'm like, all right, okay, we got some hope. It's fourteen to seven. All right, good. When he broke that second one, as soon as he broke the second tackle, I was watching watching with my roommate. I'm like, he's gone. There's no he he ain't going down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's there's no way. And sweet Lou had a great game as always. D Rich had a great game as well. Um. It took a, took a little bit for our offense to actually gel together. Well, they came out firing the first two plays, stalled meter missed meter missed that field goal. Yeah. First two first two drive meter meters missed. Yeah. But meter came back. Meter you know got his head back in the game, and turned things around when we needed it. Defense really stepped up as well. Yeah. So here's the here's the biggest bugaboo with Western coming in this season was their red zone defense because it struggled. 
First two possessions, <clears throat> hey, that Rizzle defense held strong. After that, just fell apart of the seams, which this is now also the third time in four MAC games that Western Michigan has fallen fall apart in the second half for a loss. I'm going to tell you right now, if somehow Akron sneaks up and wins this game against Western, Tim Les somehow, somehow beats Western. If Akron pulls that miracle where their coach is getting the boot on last week, if Akron gets that win, Les... Last year's seat gets nuclear hot. I'm calling this right now. Because last two years, you've lost to Mac West in the last game of the year. You've beaten Central Michigan. You've done great. You're just trying to break through the glass ceiling, and then you get rolled second half by Ball State. Yep. You get embarrassed second half by Cleo Toledo. And then you have 14 nothing on CMU. And CMU beats you 40 to whatever that was. forty. Whatever that score was. Beat the blew the doors off. Yeah, that was... And you also a 10-point favor that game. If you lose this game to Akron, who has been in the bottom of the MAC for God knows how long, coming off firing their coach who won two games that tenure. And if you lose on your home field. Especially with the spread. It's, it's a like trap tw- game. It's a trap game for Western again because no, no. somehow some weird things happen. Five yep. and three, but at the end they may end up taking the West somehow if any of you keep slipping. A loss to Akron here. Look, I like Lester, too. He's a good guy. But, I mean, at, bottom, at the end of the day, it's results. No, no. So we look at, so we look at our chips, right? Yes, sir. Up and down. Up and down this entire, you know. Obviously, we had great wins against Ohio, Toledo, and overtime. If we would have won against Northern, God bless America. <laughs> it would have, this, this outlook would have been so much different. And obviously we get the victory cannon back. My first one. My first one. That's good, doesn't it? My first one um, being here. So now we got Kent State in a matching game at in Mount Pleasant, 8 o'clock. This game is going to the turn because we got Ball State after this on the road. And then we have Eastern the week of Thanksgiving. I really I'm really torn because the CEO. I really don't know how good this te- this central team is going to pull away. How good if they're going to pull away or not? If they come out slow like they did against Western, you know Kent State ain't no Western. Their red zone defense, their defense is actually worth worth the darn. <laughs> their defense is has been solid. Is it though? Kent State's defense been solid though. It's it's been it's been, it's better than Westerns. I give you that. It's better than Westerns. And if CMU struggles to put points on the board, especially the last time Central was home. They had a twenty-eight. That they had an eighteen-point lead, yeah. and that slipped away so quick. And look what the final result was. Okay, why well, you okay? Okay, okay. I'm gonna go a small rant. I want you to pull up the Western Kansas State score. It's good to do this. So, here's the thing with CMU this year: seventy freshmen on the roster. It is a young squad that still has the last of Bono's recruits. Which, hey, guys like Troy Harrison, Troy Brown, they're still some playmakers. That NIU loss is the best thing that could have happened to that team. Because that's the second straight three-position lead you blew. You These young kids realize we got to wake up. This will happen. This is how this, They learn how to batten the hatches down, and you saw it against Western. And remind me of that Kent State Western game again? 64-31 Western. And Western scored how many points in the second half? Western put up in the second half. Oh, dear gosh. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I 20, they, put, they, put 27 up in, they put 27 up in the third quarter and 14 up in the fourth quarter. Kent State led NIU by 18 at one point in the fourth quarter, and you crawled back into five points. I don't trust that Kent State defense. Yeah, but what about Kent State's offense, though? 
That's the whole thing. Exactly. We'll take it through a shootout. That's what it's going to be. With Trey Brown, LaQuan Johnson back healthy, that linebacker rotation is four or five deep. Secondary just makes plays in space. Yeah, I guarantee you, there's going to be two or three plays they get burned. There will be to these two long touchdown plays by Dustin Crown. So yep. be it. But also, this offense is not forced to. This offense is not committed to turnover in three games. They did not turn the ball over against Toledo. They did not turn the ball over against NIU. The only field, the only turnover they had against Western was that muffed onside kick. Yep. No turnovers. They've been perfect. They've been really good the last three games. They've been efficient. They have a shot well, at this. Well, look what Kent. Well, look what Kent State just did against Northern Illinois at home. Yep. They put up fifty-two. They beat they beat NIU 52-47 in a shootout. Yep, but also 18-point lead and you were at home. You're not on the road on a Wednesday at 8 o'clock. Yeah. After, after that long of about five, after about five, six hour bus ride. So so looking at this game play, you know, playing against the Golden Flashes now. Sean, what are your take? What are your, what are your th- three things that Central has to do to beat Kent State in prime time? I'm going to change it from what I thought last week. I was all about the run game. I think Daniel Richardson's got to go dumb. He did it. I, he needs to be more consistent, I guess. Because he popped off a couple times for 40-yard plays that were beautiful. We can't rely on Khalil Pimpleton to just become a magician and put three touchdowns up in five minutes. And then it's going to come down <laughs> to the interior of the defensive line. If they get after Kent State's quarterback, Crum, the way they did, Allaby, I don't think that Kent State's going to be as explosive as everybody believes they are because of what they did at NIU. Okay. Mitch, what are your thoughts? So here's the thing. A, you have to, you have to feed Lou 30 times. And I say, here's why I say this. A, an explosive offense gets stymied when you punch him in the mouth and control the clock, True. drive around the ball. B, when, when that right game is established, you light them up and play action. Because I, I watched the NIU game, um, NIU Kent State. To the kind of person who puts all these smack games on YouTube, like the day or two after, bless your soul so much. I appreciate you so much. Yeah, I don't give you <laughs> But also, Kent State looks shaky and gets play action. If Lou can pop off for another 160, which I know I'm asking for a lot, but for Lou, it's like jump change at this point. If play action, the play action pass works, cool. And then defensively, just hold your ground. The one thing, what the secondary, the start of the year may look shaky, but against Western, all those bubble screens, everything, with plays in space, they were locked down. The yards after no, catch no. was going to be huge. Yeah. For me, at least. Because that, again, you saw it, like, you know, bubble screen this guy more. Gains two. He stopped right, right there. Bam. Perfect. The secondary is getting really good at making plays in space. Now, deep balls, that's going to be a different thing. That's going to happen two or three times. They're going to pop two or three big deep passes. So 21 points is going to be in the board. I still think we can put up 40. Oh, I don't doubt that at all. But I also feel like, feel like, feel like, feel like this is going to be down to first to 50 wins. First to 50 wins? First to 50. It's going to go crazy. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I honestly, yeah, I I don't know about 50. Wow, that's a, just a ton of points. Um, special teams, for one, has to be, like Sean said, we can't, Central can't de- depend on, Pimpleton just to turn it into this almighty kick returner, you know. If he does, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. we'll take that fantastic. But chances are, Danny, that's not going to happen again. There's, there's no way Kent State willingly punts to no. willingly punts to Pimpleton. No, but the other, but the other men, uh, other spots of special teams have to be on point. Meter has to be at, you know, has to be blocked in because him missing two kicks the first one, the first two possessions against Western. 
I was thinking, oh boy, this is not this is not gonna end well. We left six points on the board and they're already up fourteen zip. And you know, you know, first drive to that Western game, huge play action pass, big run, ends up get, being a field goal, he misses. Next possession, we have misses. He's gotta be on he's gotta be on point. Two, you know, it, uh, you know, without uh the other spectacles of Central's team picking up the slack. You know, that team that, that game could have been lost for special teams, 100%. The, the NIU game, we all know, lost to special teams. So two games, you know, one game for sure that was lost for special teams. Has to be on point for this game. Daniel Richardson has to play well. He has to know when to get rid of the ball. Because sometimes, because I've been noticing sometimes he doesn't really know when to get rid of it, when to throw it away, when to scramble out of the pocket, going to get rid of it. I, I agree with you, but it's gotten better than it was last year. He's still, oh, 100%. He's, he's still 100%. He's, so, he's still, and that still comes with time. Back. And that will come with time. But he just has to pick that up as, you know, key moments. You know, key moments, prime time. You have to really, you have to pick, you have to pick up. Defensively, you have to stop the, if you can stop the run, if you can stop the run, then you can put all your focus on the passing game. And that's how you shut shut everything down, and that's what exactly what they did last week. So, so now transitioning from the world of college football to Sean, the NBA, Golden State. They're looking like Golden State still. Yeah, they are the they're the Warriors. They they are going to be, and Clay still hasn't come back yet. Clay still hasn't come back yet. And that team is going to be absolutely lethal when he does. Oh, no, no. On top of them being lethal already, there are sub. So, what teams have we sit as we sit here to be getting close to the middle of November? What teams are jumping out to you as we head into your, into your swish and takes? The Lakers are standing out, but not in a good way. They are not making it to the playoffs. If it ended right now, Grant is mad early, and this is probably too early for me to say they're not going to make it, but. Philly at eight and two, I did not see that coming. I thought Ben Simmons not playing was going to be the most detrimental thing that that team could face. They have powered through it. Miami, Jimmy Butler's down in Miami, going crazy right now. I don't understand how they're number two in the East, but I'm not mad at it. The only team that really surprised me out of the East, in, as far as not doing well, is Milwaukee, four and six right now. Yeah, I didn't expect that, and they're sitting at tenth. And one player that I want to mention, who, and this is an early prediction, Jalen Green is going to enter the dunk contest, and he's going to win the dunk contest. Whoa. There's no doubt about it. He's got the most insane hops I've ever seen in my life. Back-to-back games, he's gone and put his head above the rim, cocked back, and hammered dunks that I haven't seen a person as athletic as him in the NBA in a long time, at least from the guard spot. Well, an interesting matchup: Pistons and Rockets between yeah between Kate, between between him and Cade. One and two. So, what has stand? What has stood out to you most about Detroit so far? Cade okay, Cunningham is coming to, into his game a little bit. I do still think he's going to have a lot of. How do you say this? He's going to struggle a little bit with his stamina and his work. Getting now, used to the speed yeah. of the game, and then coming off that right ankle injury, that's going to really hurt him. He spent. One training camp practice with the team, and then has been dealing with that injury. But Saban Lee, he played. He's been playing for the Motor City Crews right now. He just went and put forty on Cleveland's G League team, 
he's on his way back to Detroit. I'm excited to see what he does because we have young talent. We have players that when they finally mesh together, Detroit's going to be a good team. I might have been a little crazy saying eight, seven seed in the playoffs, but I'm, I don't think it's more than a year or two away. Oh, I can agree with that. I can agree with that 100%. And for surprisingly, out in the West, Dallas is 6-3. and three. Yeah, but that doesn't surprise me because Luka is the greatest point guard in the league right now. I like Trey Young because of his three-point game, but Luka can do everything. He can break your ankles, shoot that fadeaway like Dirk Nowitzki. He can hit you from three. And he can also pull and, up and dunk on you. But also Memphis is half a game out for being a home, but get from for hosting a series. That's impressive. I will give you that. And Memphis was one of those teams last year. Where it's like eh, they were big borderline. They made the play-in tournament. They you know they beat the Spurs in the uh, play-in tournament. They ended up losing to Golden State in the next one. They ended up getting into the playoffs. But this Memphis team looks like they can put something together. No doubt. And John Morant is the truth. I I didn't like him coming out because everybody was big on Zion as I was. John Morant is an animal. No, he is. And Phoenix, of course, like we said, they're in it. Yeah. Utah. Again, they had... Hanging around. They're hanging around. They're number two. I mean, that's hanging around. (laughs) I I don't think they'll be there all year. I think they're going to peter out as Golden State starts to come back into their own. We're going to see. So do you think think the Cavs and the Knicks are pretenders right now? The Cavs are definitely. The Knicks are not. I think the Knicks are finally back, and that scares me. Hmm. I think Ovi Toppin and all them out there... They've got a squad built that will punch you in the mouth. They're not really built on three-pointers as much as Golden State, as the Pistons are starting to do. But they're on that grimy Detroit-style basketball, and I love that. It's interesting. Yeah, like you said, Philadelphia, number one, didn't expect it. Miami, number two, yeah. I mean, it's still shocking. They have talent. But Charlotte, you know, still early in the year, Charlotte's hanging hanging around. They still got to, you know, find, find their grooves. My mag- my magic, yeah. Cole Anthony looks good for them. Oh, he does. No, he does. The the guy has a lot of potential. The guy has a lot of promise. The guy show he can put up at least a double double, maybe a triple double. Oh no doubt. Almost every almost every night. Um, so just just the other pieces around. You know, Suggs again, like any other rookie, has to you know. Yeah. Get used to the game, all that kind of stuff. So he's got ice in his veins, though. What he did for Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament. Oh, that would be that will go down. That will be looked at forever. Oh yeah. I bet you when we go into the tournament this year, that will be just keep being playing, re, being replayed in part of the like the packages and highlights oh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. The one shining moment. <laughs> one shining moment. Yeah. So now transition from going from from Swish and Sean's takes to the National Football League. Oh, we have some we have some very very interesting things going on around this beautiful league that we have. This weekend cost me a lot of money. <laughs> I believe in some happy. Th- I did not. I thought there was going to be a lot of things that weren't going to happen. That first of all, the biggest the biggest elephant in the room is the Buffalo Bills. What? I can't even. You lose. First of all, you don't even get in the end zone. Second of all. Josh Allen was owned by Josh Allen. Yep. I heard that all day yesterday. Josh Allen was owned by Josh Allen. Yes, you you could listen to that and look it up. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen was owned by Josh Allen. Nine to six. I thought that game, 
Buffalo was getting 14 points. I thought that game was a lock of the century. People also thought MSU minus three or minus two was lock of the century. Look how that turned out. But. Uh, Buffalo. I mean, Josh Allen played the quarterback. Played horrible. Horrible. The other Josh Allen. Oh, he played absolutely fantastic. And. There was no answer. Buffalo's offense couldn't get anything going. Nothing going. And Jacksonville's offense, you know, they had to throw in C.J. Beathard for, for a hot minute because of Trevor Lawrence get, got dinged up with an ankle, but he ended up coming back anyways. Didn't matter. Still couldn't get in the end zone, but still found a way to win. Urban Meyer found a way to beat the potential, the number one seed in the AFC. Potentially. The Browns absolutely Blew the doors off the their uh, Ohio rival of Cincy. Made some money off that one. That was nice. I was very I was very disappointed in the way that the Cincinnati played, especially the way Joe Burrow played. Really, you get down inside the five and you throw a ninety nine yard pick six. Denzel Ward, your former teammate for a year. Yep. I mean, Cincinnati got the run game going a little bit in the second quarter with Mixon, but their defense had no answer. Yeah. So that the so the AFC North. Depending on how Pittsburgh does, that division's up for grabs. Oh yeah, it's uh, like we all thought going the year. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be tough. <laughs> I you know ran it about three or four weeks ago. I thought this was Cincinnati's division. I now, <laughs> now it's yeah. Well, I know you laugh because you're a Steelers guy. I know that. Not only that, but I kind of doing out the gate. But yeah, I'll talk about it more. Gi- later, but. Giants ended up beating the Raiders. Interesting win. Very interesting. I saw that coming, though. That big letdown of Henry Ruggs being released. That was too much of an emotional hit for that team. Plus, yeah. plus, plus, plus also, you're coming from Vegas to New York. That jet lag. Yeah. Jet yep. lag is real in the NFL. Falcons beating, Falcons beating the Saints in the Dome. Great run defense by Atlanta. Kind of stymied him. Cordell Patterson had a good game. Matt Ryan, of course, had. Matt Ryan's been so quiet. He's had a, like a quiet year. No one's really paying attention. He's been throwing for like three hundred. Over 250, 300 yards a game. and He's always been steady for him, though. That's like, and no one really pays attention. You know, if Josh, if, you know, if, uh, let's see, if I'm trying to think of a quarterback here, Dak, or Dak throws for over 300 yards, if you put up, like, the stats that Matt Ryan did, everyone would be all over it. Oh, no doubt. But that's, but that's not the case. My guess is, too, with those numbers, Dallas, Dallas beats Denver that way this week. But nope! <laughs> All of a sudden, Denver Broncos is coming. Yes! Had to we, we, at some point. We broke, we, we broke the news last week when Vaughn Miller got traded to Los Angeles. I, I almost started crying when Mitch, when Mitch broke that last week. Granted, going to playing the Cowboys, I was not optimistic at all. I grant that yeah, we can put up maybe a touchdown or two against these guys. But the way that we went in there defensively was just, I'm like, now, am I getting 2015 flashbacks here? Because, you know, granted, none of the same talent. But the way that they came together and just shut down Zeke. Granted, Zeke has had a terrible year all year. I just do not like the guy. And, they, and so when they shut Zeke down, they focus on the passing attack. They shut down Cooper. They shut, they shut down CeeDee Lamb. They shut all those guys down. They got after Dak. Pass rush was good. They contained him. That's how Denver ended up winning. And Teddy Bridgewater, game manager, he managed the game well. Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, a good two-headed monster in Denver. 
which is not going to last because Melvin Gordon's not going to co- probably come back. It's probably going to be Javante Williams' team next year. But Denver, 5-4 and four now. They're in a good spot for this in the future. Initial draft picks from the Rams coming in. Exactly. Your, Mac, your boy, Mac Jones, and the Patriots and company. They look good, but Mac Jones is a dirty player. He was twisting ankles at the bottom of piles and shit. I mean, and stuff, and I, I'm out on him. I'm going to win money from him, but I'm <laughs> The Vikings, despite them, they play every single team close. Every every single game. They, they have a 14-point lead in there, though. That's the thing. But, but, but in the fourth quarter, they played every team tight that they played. Took the Ravens to overtime, ended up losing. Of course, Justin Tucker, you can't even... I hate that dude. I have I, I have a nickname for him, but I can't express it when we're, when we're uh, recording this show here. So, probably the most least interesting game, the Dolphins-Texans. Dolphins take, took care of that one. Chargers and Eagles, a very, very solid win for the Chargers on the road. Outdoor, you know, Chargers are a dome team. Going into Philly... Probably the worst place to play in the league. Playing outside, they get it done. Herbert had a fantastic game over three hundred or three touchdowns. I do, I, I do want to point out one thing: the big issue for the Chargers is their run defense. Philly ran for one hundred seventy-six yards on them. That Chargers run defense needs work big time. If they, yep. really, if they really want to be a contender. That run defense has to be better. Yep. Jordan Love's first game as a starter in place of Aaron Rodgers. Packers still covered. That's all I care, baby. Woo! But it was not a good game for him. I can't wait until Rodgers leaves now. Thir- Lions are going to be good. 13-7 was the final for that one. Chiefs still staying alive, still staying around, staying relevant. The Cardinals without, let's see, hang on, let me go on a list here. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt. Chase Edmonds. A.J. Green. Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds. If I'm forgetting anybody else, hmm, but I don't think I am. Anyway. All, all without those guys. Still throttled the Niners 31-17 to as Colt McCoy, that is a name from 2012, um, led, led that charge. And James Conner, of course. So in my fantasy league, I'm, get, I'm losing, right? I have DeAndre Hopkins, who's out, and I have Conner. So I make a mid Game make game day trade with somebody else. So I I traded at I traded Hopkins and Connor for Adams for Green for Green Bay. And I you got robbed. Oh, <laughs> they murdered you. Because Con- number one wide receiver. Because I got I got the number one in Hopkins because Hopkins is a PPR guy. Yeah, but I thought you, Hop- you gave up Hopkins. Or no, Hopkins or Adams is the PPR guy. Hopkins is a yard dependent and a tut and a red zone dependent type guy. When Ro- when Rodgers and Ed- when Rogers is on the field, him and Adams, they connect at least about five or six times a game. And in a full point and a full point PPR, which I'm that which I'm in, that Never works. That works. But of course I got burned on that trade as soon as I did it, because James Conner ended up having two touchdowns. So the Cardinals still they still look good. Despite everyone being out, they still look like they're going to be the number one seed in the NFC. Speaking of the NFC and their division, <laughs> this what place. Stafford and the Rams really should have been twenty eight to nine, or yeah, twenty eight to nine. 
but it was 28 to 16 over the Titans without the monster and Derrick Henry. <laughs> and Adrian Peterson making his debut and getting his feet dipped back into NFL football again. The Titans go in and just take care of business. Their defense, they picked off Stafford twice, one of them for a touchdown. The world learned about the man in the middle as Jeffrey Simmons. That oh, he's dude. A He's not a player. That's a man back there. Manhandling offensive lineman for sacks. It's about time the world finally realized how good Jeffrey Simmons is. Stafford looked like primetime Detroit Stafford at one point in that game. True. Spinning around 360 and launching a ball that should have never been thrown. But yeah. I'm happy to see he is a human. Yeah, it's just maybe this is a wake-up call for the Rams. You got to hope. Saying like, okay, we go on the road, San Francisco, next Monday night, and then we're at the Packers. Do we have an easier game in, the, in our next four games here? We got, we're got we at the Niners next week, Monday night, then at the Packers, at home against Jacksonville, and then we're at Arizona. Not easy. No. Not easy at all. If if they could take they take they take, they take care of the Niners. Okay, and they take care of the Niners on Monday night. They head to Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers fully healthy or you know, fully back from the COVID list and all that kind of stuff. That's going to be a game. That is going to be either one. There's either one or two options on how that game's going to turn out. One, it's going to be an offensive shootout because Rodgers and Stafford in the past have been known for these type of, these type of games. Or it's for what, what Rodgers and Stafford are the other way. Low scoring affairs that their defenses take over. Those are the only two options, but that one is in two weeks coming up here. So then the Monday night, Bears, the Bears, the Bears, and the Steelers. Mitch is Steelers. Yes, sir. So, Mitch, you've been talking to me all week about a fantastic take that you have. So, I'm going to, so I'm going to. Give, give you the it wasn't much of a tank, really, but it's just kind of more like a segment. I'm going to give, you the, I'll I'm say give this. you the floor. All right, gentlemen. I'm going to ask you guys a couple things, some NFL things. Buy, sell, or just hold it. So first question i got to ask. The Buffalo Bills are still a lock to win the AFC East. To win the division? To still lock it in, just to be a lock. Oh, I lock that in 100%. I like that in 100%. Just, you know, yeah, you lose to Jacksonville, okay? Again, gut check time, wake-up call. We're getting that, you know, literally week nine, halfway point of the year. Wake-up time. Uh, Buffalo's still good. I mean, there's no denying that Josh Allen is uh, probably one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And, you know, they got the Jets coming up. Okay, then they have the Colts, then the Saints, and then the Patriots. It's a tough, it's a tough break outside New York. And it's it's tough. The Jets they should be able to take care of. Indy will be a good test for them. The Saints on the road in the dome prime time be a good test for them as well. The only other true test I really see them having is at Tampa Bay in the middle of December. That'll be a good test. Maybe a Super Bowl preview. Who knows? But in terms of the division, oh yeah, they got that locked up. Sean, what say you? I'm selling. I think that the Patriots, they're 1-4 at home. That's going to turn around. Bill Belichick isn't going to keep that record the rest of the season. 
Mac Jones and the boys are going to take over the number one seat, win it all. I'm holding on to it, but I might be ready to sell again. You got Indy at New Orleans. Got past Bill Tech, Bill Tech twice at Tampa. Carolina's been a bear defensively yeah. to deal with. Okay, Atlanta has a good run defense. So maybe it just forces them to be uncomfortable. And the Jets, they can't be overlooked now. No. It's gonna be. It's, I think it's gonna be on the Buffalo New England. I think Buffalo's gonna edge it, but I am getting a little bit. If things go south from that stretch of the schedule, like there's a realistic way the Buffalo fans ends up ten seven eleven and six. Is that they be good enough to win the division with what New England has? Well, yeah, beat way of New England twice. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely be interesting. Next question: Buy or sell? The Cincinnati Bengals are a playoff team. Oh, I'm buying that. Hundred percent. I'm buying that. Because I am because Burrow is cap Burrow is capable. Okay, Burrow, Burrow throws one dumb interception, it seems like a game. It seems like that for the past three weeks. Trust me, I've been riding this for fantasy. I know. Uh so yeah, you beat they have beaten teams. They've they've beaten a they've beaten a Steelers team in Pittsburgh. They took a green they took Green Bay to overtime, ended up losing, took them to overtime. Went to Baltimore and blew the doors off of them. Uh, ended up getting they got they ended up getting their door getting the doors blown off by their Ohio rival in Cleveland. But looking at Cincinnati's schedule heading forward, it's it's not easy. No, it's not, and this is definitely a a true test to see how they are, see how good they are. Vegas next week at Vegas at in Vegas. At home against Pittsburgh. They want blood. At home against Los Angeles, the Chargers. If you don't, if you don't run well, you're done. At home against the Niners. That's a Super Bowl rematch going back. Come on, that. At Denver. We December December mile high. Not easy to play in. Then you have Baltimore coming back, wanting revenge after that weapon. Yep, you want Baltimore. You got Baltimore. Then you got Kansas City. What a way to start 2022. And then they're, then you're at Cleveland. Yeah. This is a true test. I mean, if so, they're sitting at five and four, correct? Yep. <laughs> they win four of those games. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They win half their games. They're in. They win. They win half their games. They're in. They'll get a. They'll get in a seven seed. They will win the division. They'll get in though. Sean, what do you say? I'm holding on it. I. They're tenth in the AFC right now overall. I do believe they can make a run down the stretch, but I'm starting to worry about Joe Burrow and how he handles pressure. He's looked good in the early games of the season. He didn't look that great yesterday. But he, but he looked And good. I think I think the Browns are going to figure it out. I think Odell Beckham Jr. was such a cancer in that locker room that they're not going to be able to compete with what Blake, Baker Mayfield's going to do here soon. I am selling this to the moon. Here's why. Burrow's good. This offense will figure it out on the road. Come in the year, I thought they're still a year away. This team is way too turnover prone. Joe Burrow leads the league among quarterbacks with 11 interceptions right now. You Now, now we saw the schedule, right? You can't beat Pittsburgh a second time. You're not going to touch the Chargers. You probably won't beat Denver in Denver in December. You won't beat Kansas City. You won't touch Cleveland if you keep turning the ball over against these good teams. These they, teams they can beat Vegas. They can beat, they can beat the Niners. There's no but I'm just saying. I'm that. just saying. There's no better way to kill a season than if you keep turning the ball over. 
No, hundred percent. They're two for me. For me, hundred percent. Their offensive identity is hand off to Mixon and throw it, and then and then and then do everything to get that ball in Jamar Chase's hands. Yeah. You can stop both. No, but of there's those. but they have two other receivers too that they they're, 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 but they they're don't not, utilize them. That's that's the exactly what I'm saying. They that's don't the use problem. they don't utilize utilize Boyd and they don't utilize Higgins because they're because because their their identity on offense is still not a finished product. They're still a year behind. They still need one more draft class to polish everything off. I'm selling this. They're going to come out to fight. They're going to be about 8 and 9, but they're going to be the outside looking when it's all said and done. Next season, though, if they hit right in the draft in the offseason, since he's going to be a problem, they're just oh, a yeah. year away still. It's not a finished product. The offense still needs a true identity. And they got to find a way to limit those turnovers. Once you find that, once you find the offensive identity, those turnovers will go down. But until then, Burrow's still going to be turnover prone in his first full season, by the way, because he missed about half year when his knees got destroyed. But for me... I'm still in Cincy as a playoff team. They do have the bye coming up after this. They, they have the bye. They have the bye this week, and then they're at Vegas the 21st of November. All right. What's the next thing I want to ask you? <clears throat> the second best team in the NFC South is the Atlanta Falcons. Hmm. Okay. Definitely. That's, that's a thinker. For long, I did think it was Carolina. Just the way that Sam Darnold was playing, because he was playing out of his mind for a for a little bit. New Orleans, they had something gelling with Winston. They did. They had something gelling together. Then Winston goes down, tears the ACL, boom, done. Now you're led by Trevor Simeon, and once at a great occasion, the oh god, I can't stand him, Taysom Hill. Um, Anything led by Sean Payton is definitely going to be end up in disaster. So, I really don't see as, see the Saints as the second best team in the division. Carolina still has their time. Their time might be shorter than what people expect. Then their you know their window is definitely running out to make an improvement. I mean, you got the Cardinals next week. Oh, in Arizona. Oh God. Then you have Washington. Def, you know, Washington, not easy, you know, you're not going to take a game from Washington easily. Miami, Atlanta, Buffalo, Tampa twice, then New Orleans. No. So, yeah, I'm looking at it now. Atlanta is, you know, they didn't look like it at the beginning of the year, but Atlanta is the, probably is the second best, second best team in that division. Granted, they have the Cowboys – Patriots, Jags, Bucks, Panthers, Niners. They have the Lions. They have the Lions the day after Christmas. The Bills and then the Saints. Tough schedule, but I do agree with you. Atlanta is the second best team in that division. It's going to kill me to say it, but I think you're right. I think Well, i got to buy it. Without Jameis Winston, the Saints are not as good of an offensive threat. They're not going to compete with the Buccaneers, but... I don't believe in Sam Darnold. I think that he has proven who he is in the NFL. He's a man who sees ghosts and throws interceptions. I hate Matt Ryan, but like I gotta, I think they're gonna finish number why two. Why hate Matt Ryan? Why hate on the guy? I just don't like him. Twenty five reasons why, but you know. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, also besides that blunder, okay. <laughs> um, I'm buying this too solely because of the quarterback spot. That's the only reason, honestly. Yeah. Um, well, Cordero Patterson's been playing great too. I know, but also, but also the X factor in there in this division. If you look at just quarterbacks, obviously Brady's on top. 
They've had to choose between Sam Darnold, Matt Ryan, and Trevor Simeon. Who are you taking? Matt Ryan. All day. There you go. Saints roster-wise, outside of quarterback and wide receiver, probably tight end, too. Really loaded. Kamara, Teron Armstead, a lot of good offensive linemen, too. Ram check. Yeah. Defense is loaded. Yeah. But they can't, get, they can't get the passing game figured out. Young Ho, Young Wei Koo? They had a solid kicker. <laughs> yeah, still. Yeah, that's going on buying Atlanta. That's the second best. Now, that might be a 9-8 record. 8-9 is going to be second best. I think Tampa runs over the division. but Potentially. They could, they could turn around 9-8. Never know. Yeah. And the last one, hmm. I'm going to leave this open-ended. We flash forward down to week 18. Who are, who are the number one seeds in each conference? Both of you. Sean, you take this one first. I gotta figure. I gotta figure this. I gotta think about this. Woo-hoo. Yeah, this is interesting because I want to say Tampa Bay in the NFC, but I also I really believe in Matt Stafford. I think with the weapons they've got there, Von Miller's gonna get into games. He's gonna do something for that defense. I did hear analysts saying, well, he's kind of on the back end of his career. Yeah, understand that. But I also think when Aaron Donald is eating double teams all game long, them head rushers are gonna go crazy. And so look who's going to step in there, Vaughn. Yeah, and he's gonna, I think he's going to have a resurgence. So I'm going to say the Rams are number one. And who's the AFC? Because this is a de- cause the AFC is like everyone's all kind of like bunched together. Like there's no team that's like running away with it right now. I'm going to say Tennessee. <laughs> despite They're gonna get despite the monster being out. Yeah, but they didn't look like they really even missed him. Nichols, I think is his name. McNichols. Mc, McNichols. Jeremy no. McNichols. He's the real deal. That's a dude that my brother told me about in fantasy, and I kind of laughed at him. Oh, no, I laughed. Henry, he was right. I laughed, I laughed, too, because I'm like, I don't need a handcuff with Derrick Henry. I'm like, who needs – you need handcuffs for guys that are on the running backs that are in committees. Like De, like DeAndre Swift, you kind of you need Jamal Williams because yeah. that's a handcuff. Derrick Henry, you don't need a McNichols. I'm so glad I picked the Nichols up. <laughs> but they, think they they get Derrick Henry back. If he's on the early if he get they get him back the earliest he can get come back. Tennessee they could be a definitely could be a contender, but I really don't see Tennessee end up being a one. I can see I I don't want to say I don't want to say Baltimore because Baltimore is Baltimore's going to fall apart. They scare me too much this year. Baltimore is going to fall apart. A one seed I could really see is the Chargers. I could see it because but, but, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. The Chargers have proven that they can point points up. Their defense it's been has it's been subpar, but Herbert Herbert's been playing great. He hasn't had, you know, the sophomore slump. Eckler is a fantastic dual threat back. He can run the ball and he can catch it. They have two really great receivers in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Okay, Jared Cook, he might be old, but he can still get red zone targets and red zone receptions in great space for, for those other guys. Their schedule is not that bad. Not, not horrific, but not bad. Vikings at home, challenge. Steelers at home, challenge. At Denver, I think they get that done. At Cincinnati, you get that. They get that done. Giants at home, they get that done. At home against the Chiefs, 
that will determine a lot, depending on where Kansas City's at at that point in time in December. Texans at at the Texans inside in that in that in that dome, they'll take care of them. At home against Denver in the and and SoFi, take care of them. At Vegas, take care of them. You just scrubbed your team twice. You don't think your team's going to beat the Chargers once? I really don't. I really don't think they can beat the Chargers. If they do, the only chance they Denver has to beat the Chargers is at home. They can't beat them in True. SoFi. Yeah. They can't beat them in SoFi. They need that. They need a mile high energy. So I think the Chargers will be are the are the number one seed. And in the NFC, I can't. You can't bet against. This is exactly what Tom Brady wants everyone to think. True. Count them out. What's what everyone did last year? Look what happened. Super Bowl champs. Tampa Bay number one seed. I'm going to go Arizona as the one seed in the West. I, I, I think I think Tampa gets the two or the three, and they still run the table. No, not a problem. Praise for showing play on the road. The only reason I'm saying no against the Chargers is because I think, I think they're going to go two, one and four, two and three <laughs> in the next stretch because they got to play some monster running backs. You talk about Dalvin Cook, Najee Harris, Joe yeah. Mixon, and then um, Devers duo too. That run defense is, is hot garbage. Like it's hot. It, it might be hot garbage, but their secondary has is definitely improved over the last couple of years. Their pa- their passing game has improved. That, that's cool, but it, but if, if your defense is getting ran on like crazy, you're not going to win ball games. Uh, for me, that one seed in the AFC, I still feel like it's either going to be Tennessee or whoever comes to the AFC North at this point. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna pick a specific team. Whoever comes out, I, I think whoever does that, because I think Cleveland could easily go 11 and 6, 12 and 5 in the stretch. Pittsburgh yeah. could be about the same way. Baltimore easily could. I think since he's a little dead in the water, but it, I think AFC North could get the one seed, or if they could get the four seed. It's just I, I've had to if I had to put money on a team, I would probably say Tennessee. Kind of because they're rolling, that division's kind of weak. No, that division is weak. There's no denying that the AFC South is a weak division. But Tennessee beating the one seed, I think it's just a matter of other teams in the AFC just beating them out for it. Yeah, because honestly, in my opinion, I wouldn't shock me if Kansas City missed the playoffs entirely at this point. I would, yeah, and I, and I would be surprised if Buffalo turned it around and turned turned it around and came back as the one seed. Or I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders took 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 control of that. Which brings me to my last question by yourself. Chiefs are a playoff team. I'm selling. I I don't think. I said this early on in Patrick Mahomes' career that he was hot garbage. I took lashings for it because he's he's shined throughout his career. I think we're seeing it now. Andy Reid continues. He did this to Donovan McNabb. He gets stuck in a system. He makes you throw it out to get focused on one wide receiver like Tyreek Hill, and we start to struggle. Now I think Travis Kelsey. And I think that running game could, they could improve when we could see Kansas City get in, but I don't think they're going to get it done this year. For me, I've ha- we haven't seen the Chiefs perform like this in odd number of years. No doubt. Since Mahomes taken over. So it's definitely an odd thing to see that the Chiefs are sitting at 9-4 and four and they're on the bubble. They're on the outside looking in. I think they can, I think they can get in. Is it likely that it that a division has three teams in it that make the postseason? Highly unlikely, but can it happen? Absolutely. Do I see them getting as a seventh seed? Yes. 
I see them getting as a seventh seed. I see them edging out the Patriots because I don't think the Patriots have what it takes yet to that's that just sounds funny. I don't think the Patriots have what it takes yet to get into the playoffs. <laughs> um especially what we've been used to for the past, I don't know, 20 years with Brady. Yeah, I don't think they have what it takes to get to have to get into this postseason. The Chiefs will slide in as the number 7 seed. Yeah, I'm going to say no. I'm selling it. Um here's the thing. You talked about a team the past 3 years has made at least an AFC title game. So we had on two more games at least to your schedule. And then two Super Bowls. You, yeah, exactly. You do that over a three-year stretch, and you're rebuilding your offensive line. You only have two real true studs on defense. They're still missing that still middle linebacker to finish off that second level. Yeah. But they, wait, they do have Melvin Ingram now from Pittsburgh. Like, that's going to help. Just saying. You it's never good. know. Okay, okay, okay that's, the, that's, the, that's what I mean by my linebacker. Pass rusher, cool, you need that. But, you know, a true Mike linebacker. A true Mike linebacker who's vocal in that defense, who lights everything up, who makes these great plays on one place, yeah. they don't have that guy. That defense has never had that guy. I mean, he had Tyron Matthew, amazing. Chris Jones, monster. Frank Clark, okay, he's decent. But, like, you've rebuilt the offensive line. You don't have a true number three receiver, I think. I think McCole Harmon sliding over to Sammy Watkins' roles, not clicking. No. And I think you saw it with that offense. Green Bay held to 13 points. That was a game for as long as it was because of Green Bay's defense. Yeah. That offense, it's not there. It's just, again, rebuild O-line. You get fatigued from all these from this past three years. Like, you know, I don't think they're getting in. And it's not the worst thing in the world because they can find a way to reload some, get some young talent in there. Like, That'll help Because be they're going to be the world who's hurting the salary cap here pretty soon. That's what's going to really get them is the salary cap because they've got so many players who are going to want big deals. Yeah, they got big deals, too, which is scary. Right. Yeah. So now, real quick, we, we covered it last week until we were interrupted by Vaughn Miller's trade to Los Angeles. I just want to preview just really quick because college basketball does indeed start up this week. It does indeed start up. And I just, I just want to briefly talk about, before we head into our question of the week, before we wrap things up for the week, uh, for both CMU teams... For some for some reason, it seems like CMU is b- b- getting a lot of Missouri this year. Um, so, so they got to head. So the men's team's got to head down to Missouri to open the year up after a blowout exhibition game against Olivia College. Olivet, Olivet, Dano Potato. Uh, not, no, <laughs> not, not no. even close. Trust me, Olivet, Olivet, Olivet recruit me to play college football. Trust me, it's pronounced Olivet. Olivet. So Olivet, they they blow them out as everyone thought. So what are the ex? So with as a coach, it's Coach Barbie, right? What's that? Coach Barbie. Coach Tony Barbie. Coach Tony Barbie coming from Kentucky. What are they? So Mitch, I want to ask you what are you, what are you what are your expectations on this team as we head into the season? Um, I this team needs to mesh, and honestly, this non-conference before Mac plays tough as it's been in years, and thank. God, that was the one problem I think Keno had. The non-conference slate wasn't tough, but this year, whew, you got okay Missouri, Missouri Gonzaga, Xavier, Gonzaga's in there, Kentucky's in there. They got some other tough ones in there, but yeah, Barbie's not used up in non-conference, and thank goodness because kind of like an Izzo approach. If you think about it, I wouldn't even say that. No, it's an Izzo approach because Izzo always makes sure that his guys play the toughest teams before the Big Ten before Big Ten play. Yeah, and this is kind of and this is kind of in the same boat. It kind of is, but you know, 
in that same breath, teams want to play Michigan State because they're at the prestige. Yeah. Teams want to play teams from Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Come on. Let's be honest here. But, no, I think yeah, it's kind of his approach, but it's all kind of a Calipari approach too, which is kind of the, you know, the tree he came from. Exactly. But I'll say, well, they got some pieces that look good. Um, I'm really intrigued to see where this goes. I think with Barbie's approach, like really want to key on defense and rebounding. Um, thank God it's about time someone focused in on that after nine years with Keno. But you know, it's good. <laughs> you know, I'm really excited to see, see, see how this team fares in the Mid-American Conference. They have, they got some talent. They got some pieces, but can they bring it together? John, I don't know where I expect them to finish, but they're ranked ten or they're expected to finish tenth. They don't have any preseason all MAC team selections. But from what I've seen, just a little bit pieces of hearing them talking and whatnot, I do think we're going to have an okay team this year. Okay. But it's going to take time to see. Tenth is fair. Tenth is totally fair. Tenth is fair. So I was then, very, I, I, honestly, I'm surprised it wasn't me wearing last after last season. But. So now flip it to the Mid-American champions, the women's team. So we flip it to there. So, so we flip it to them after all of the hype, after all of the highs, after last year, winning the MAC tournament, going to play Iowa. Granted, we ended up losing that game to Iowa, but still, it was a, it was fantastic to see them in that tournament. Nonetheless, seventeenth ranked Georgia Tech comes to Mount Pleasant to start the season off, and granted, they beat Saginaw Valley State by two in an exhibition. So. So, Mitch, I want to ask you, I before even the first game against a nationally ranked team, are you hitting the panic button already for this women's team? Um, No, I'm not. Here's why. You've lost Michaela Kelly, Kira Bustle, and Maddie Waters, all crazy productive. But also because of COVID issues, you rode eight, you only rode eight players, eight, nine players on that team, basically, for most of the stretch run last year. They still have some foundational pieces that would be really good for them. The thing with this team, it's a young team. And it's going to take that moment to click. It's going to be painful, I think, a little bit in our conference. I wouldn't shock me if we were to take bloom on the water. But once this young team has that moment that like, it clicks for them, like, you know, on the play, yeah, this, is gonna, this team is going to be a problem. Well, I mean, they don't have – it's not like they have, like, an easier game in their non-conference to click. I mean, they have Georgia Tech, Valpo, Michigan, not U of M, Dearborn, or Flint, the Michigan. Yep. Northeastern, Marist, Cincy, Oakland, Loyola, Chicago, and Green Bay before conference play starts. So just along the slate of non-conference games at home, I as a fan, I'm just like, yes, these are teams that I really want to see. Georgia Tech, Michigan, Oakland, you know, because that's the, you know, that's where I'm, you know, I'm from yeah. from close to that area. I want to see that, especially in Mount Pleasant. I don't know. It's you know. I get it. It's a. It's, you know, it, it's a. Point. It's a quote unquote preseason game that you're playing against Saginaw Valley, but you should have blew them out. They should have blew them out. But I get it with the rotations and everything that you're trying to figure it out. This everyone's try. Everyone's everyone knows how to attack Molly Davis now. How to guard her. It just she's not going to get the wide open threes and all that kind of stuff going on her scoring streaks that we were used to last season because. We had Michaela Kelly, Maddie Waters, all those different type of girls to spread the ball around. Now it's focused on her. I will say this. 
Was there a CMU team on campus this year that's been young, that's blown 18-point leads? Because the women's team was up by 15, 18 points at one point. Oh, no, no I know. Same, we talked about it earlier. It's, Here's the it's thing. It's called a uh, CMU football team against Northern Illinois. And Toledo. And Toledo, yes, sir. But here's the thing. That's, that's the thing with the young team. Like, yeah, the, yeah they probably should have, if this team was kind of uh, not quite as young, had a little more, little more you know, experience to them, they would have blown the doors off. But as a young team, and they and the young teams, when they have, when they, things go right, that foot tends to come off the gas. And when you're playing collegiate sports, you can't let up the gas on anybody. Yep. It's a young team to figure out, keep your foot on the gas. Once, it, out. Well, what, 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 once this team figures out to put their, keep the foot on the gas and hang tight with one of these teams, it might, that moment might, might come to the third or fourth conference game. But again, when it does, yeah. this, just say, this team is going to be a Let's just say they hang tight with Georgia Tech. Yeah. They hang tight with Michigan. They hang tight with Valpo. Yeah. Who knows? Sean, what do, you, what do you think? Are you hitting the panic button already? No, I'm really just excited to see how Molly Davis plays. I didn't know about her coming into CMU, and she seems like she's the real deal. I do think, like you said, people are going to know how to guard her. She lost the the ability of having three stars around her to. And now she is the star. Yeah. But I don't. I think she's a bucket, and I think she's going to go get it no matter what. All right. And that brings us to the question of the week. All right. So I was thinking hard on this one. I have a really good answer. Sean might know what I'm talking about. You definitely will not. So I might. You never know. <laughs> Let's see if we do. So, I'm going to ask you boys this. Who's one athlete in your mind that, you know, this player could have been, like, really special, could have been amazing, first pair Hall of Famer, considered a legend, if they would have, oh. stayed, if, if they would have stayed healthy? Mine's a I'll, I'll let you guys go first. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you Seven, can, so, go like, first. So, the guy I think, Sean may know the name, and you won't know it, probably. Pavel Bure. Okay. Sean, you know what I mean, Sean? Do you, do you remember him back in the NHL back in the days? I, I, the name is so familiar. So here's the thing with Pavel Bure. Six-round pick by the Canucks in 1989. Guy came from Russia, all right? This guy's first year in the league, 65 games, 34 goals, 26 assists. Not bad for a rookie, right? His next two seasons, 60 goals each. This dude was this dude put the puck in the back in the 1994 season, 76 games, 60 goals, 40 assists in the regular season. The dude had 16 goals and 15 assists in 24 playoff games when the Canucks lost to Game 7 to the Rangers. This dude continued to put on monster seasons when he was healthy. After that 94 season, he just kind of slipped up. Lockout shortened season, 44 games, 20 goals, 23 assists. Not bad. He had one, he had two, three more 50-goal seasons before injuries kind of deteriorated him. He played with Florida and New York for a while, but 437 goals and 702 NHL games. The dude was a phenom. If you know, if his knees and back stay healthy, like the dude plays another ten years with Florida, and then, gosh, you probably talk about him scoring six hundred goals. Yeah, no. Maybe seven hundred. We put him in top ten of all time potentially. That's just a guy that you know. If he stays healthy, like in seven hundred two games, he put up seven hundred seven hundred career points. He was over point a game player. He was that good. But injuries and his career just bogged him down bad, and you know we're just talking about shoulda, woulda, coulda. But also, fun fact, in 94-95, in the lockout year, he played two games, one for a team in Europe. The one game he played scored a hat-trick. The one game he played in Russia scored two goals. So, the dude was a scorer in um, as all crazy as all get out. So, what do you boys got? You want me to go? Go ahead. This isn't somebody who I think would have had an incredible career, but it's an injury I'll never forget. And it was Reggie Brown for the Detroit Lions. It was 97. yes. yes. 
He goes in for a tackle. All of a sudden, he's laid out. They got to stretcher him out. Yep. He was. Reminds me of Mike Mike Utley. Yeah. Mike Utley too. Mm-hmm. He was and that a, one, I'll never forget it. Being a kid, that was the first time I had that moment of like, oh, football is dangerous. Like, we could really get hurt. Never stopped me from playing though. Same. I don't. I don't know. Do you remember Mike Utley? Very, very little. Mike Utley. No, okay. He's he's not mine. Mine is. Um. He was a member of the Red Wings, and member of the Red Wings, and a part of the most famous, one of the most famous lines to ever play the game of hockey. Thank you for going this direction so much. Was the Russian Five? Thank you, Vladimir Konstantinov. Yes, was probably one of the best players. Even granted, I wasn't around, but. Told you know from watching from watching you know the Russian that Russian Five movie which was fantastic that came out a couple years ago, um, that was a fantastic film, and just watching just and just overall just everyone knows what happened to uh, Vladimir Konstantinov. Fun fact: this is this is a this is a personal story bringing it bringing it into this. My my father my father worked for the Macomb County, Macomb County Sheriff's Department in Macomb in Macomb Michigan. And and he was a deputy sh- deputy sheriff, and during that time he was, this was obviously before I was born. He worked for the county and worked with the Red Wings. He worked for he was you know being the police, being the you know the escort and all that kind of stuff. He was out at the golf course that they were spending that the Wings were spending their time before everything happened before the limousine crash happened, and. Before that, he got my dad. Get my father got to hold up the actual Stanley Cup that they won. Oh, geez. And later on in that day, it happened. The limousine crash happened with Vladimir Konstantinov. And it's just, first of all, it was just heartbreaking. It was it's just heartbreaking. Even just talking about it's heartbreaking. And what Konstantinov could have been. We people saw what he was on the ice. The defensive star where they put you in the mouth and never didn't even follow that in Russian. With Fatistov, Larionov, Fedorov, and Kozlov, you know, with they were going off in the league, man. They were they were going they were, going, they were just they were they were unbelievable. And cut, you know, and I have a they, I have a quote from from Konstantinov. He said, "For my game, I don't even I don't even need to score the goal. I need someone to start thinking about me." And forgetting about scoring goals, and so that just shows what type of a teammate that he was, and what type of a person that he was, and he and he still is. I mean, obviously that whole season, ninety seven, ninety eight season, was all you know we were doing it for Vladdy. We were in the patches. You know, they brought him out onto the ice. He got to hold the cup. Stevie Stevie gave it, gave the cup right to him. But Konstantinov would have been a Hall of Famer, right next to Fedorov. Uh, if you know if that tragedy did not occur on June thirteenth, nineteen ninety seven, in Birmingham, Michigan, so that is who I think would have been definitely a Hall of Famer. I, I don't know, Mitch. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm a little surprised that Sean didn't mention Brandon Roy. Just mm. a little bit. I'll give you that, but he came back after his injuries, and then he played for the Knicks for a little bit. It wasn't very long, but I'll give you that. That was one I should have mentioned. Even though his career did, Greg Oden too. Even though his career didn't get cut, get, didn't get cut short of injury. Um, does Tim Tebow count? Uh, <laughs> no. 
I mean, hey, 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 say what you want about Tebow. Um, so that... So that will do it for this installment of Unsportsmanlike Conduct. I'd like to thank Mitch again for filling in for our friend Meg, who is bailing an illness, but hopefully she will be back. Get well soon, Megan. Yes, get well soon. crazy. Get back here. <laughs> yeah, we we miss the uh, we we miss the uh, young blood hockey corner here. So, but we love but we love Mitch and we love his takes. So for that, for Sean Chase, for our great friend Mitch filling in again as always. For always, thank you so much again, Mitch, for filling in. No problem. I'm your host, Aaron Gemmel. Bitch, keep your stick on the ice. Always. And for, and we, we will be back next week, as always. Keep it fresh.